thank you for letting me just come every now and again and check on you. So I'm happy to be in this, this series. Um, today we're talking about the everlasting father, that unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born. His name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. I think you probably have heard in the last couple of weeks that this whole thing was written several hundred years before the birth of Christ in the gloomiest, darkest time of Israel when they needed hope. Just think about as dark as it can possibly be in your life or in our nation or whatever, that you finally have this light breaking through of hope. And the answer to that hope is a son or a child or a baby. You have to just kind of scratch your head like, okay, how's that hope? I mean, we look back now and we understand Jesus, baby, Bethlehem. We get excited about that, but to never have a concept of what that is had to make them scratch their head. And so the prophet says, well, let me just tell you, there's an irony in this whole thing. It's a little baby, but you got to know that this baby's different. His name is going to be Wonderful Counselor. There's going to be wisdom like you've never seen before. His name's going to be Mighty God, the strength and the power of God himself. His name is going to be Everlasting Father. Now, I don't know about you, but as I go through this list, I go, you know, screech, wait, 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 baby, son, son of God, Everlasting Father? I mean, come on, Isaiah, what, 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 are, you, what are you trying to do? And, and it's easy to jump in and try to figure out, well, this is the Trinity, you know, and this is going to be, and everything I read says, don't go there. Don't try to understand that, how the Son and the Father work right here, because that's not what it's all about. In fact, there's a lot of heresy that goes on trying to figure that, and they use this verse of Scripture. There's an old heresy called Sibelianism. Glad you came to church to learn that one, right? It's basically that God's one person, and then he just goes by different names, depending on the function or the time. So he's like Father in the Old Testament. He's like Son in the New Testament. He's like Spirit, kind of back and forth. One person saying, and you kind of go, well, yeah. And I'm just here to tell you, no, that's, that's heresy. You have to have distinct personalities in this trinity. So I, I'm, I'm one person. Some people call me dad. Some people call me granddad. Some people call me pastor. Some of you that when I was pastor here called me other things that we're not going to get into right now. <laughs> but depending on what you function and how you, and, but I'm still the same person. I'm not three distinct persons in one. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's important to not go there with the Trinity. We'll go, you can go some other time with the Trinity. In fact, I think it was Augustine that said, if you can explain the Trinity, you don't understand it. I mean, it's, you got to keep the three and the one separate kind of thing. But you read this and, and just boom, here's what comes out. This child is God. When you see all these names, and especially eternal father, this infant is infinite. There's, there's something very clear that comes on. This, this little baby is not a likeness of God. It's not like the, the chief uh, creation of God. This is, this is God. This is God. He's the eternal father. He's everlasting. Only God is, is everlasting. Only God is eternal. In all of creation, no one else but God is everlasting. You have the angels, which are immortal, as we, as we know, but there was a, a time when angels did not exist. There was a time when there were no cherubim or seraphim or archangels. There, were, there was a time when 
They didn't, and, and by the decree of God, he can take them out anytime he wants to. Now he's decreed that they'll live forever, but there was a point when angels didn't exist. Humankind, there's a point when you, when I, when men and women did not exist. There's a point of beginning for us. Now, the, the Lord has decreed that our soul is immortal. Our soul will live forever. You'll live in heaven or hell, depending on what you do with Jesus, but you will live, but, but there was a, a point of beginning for us. We're, we're not everlasting. We're not eternal. We'll live forever because of the eternal one. You can take it a little bit further, like animals. You know, there was a point when animals didn't exist. And the big question is, well, you know, are, will, they, will they live forever? You know, will dogs go to heaven? Well, sweet, precious little Poochie, who I love so much, will he go to heaven with me? And uh, I just want to tell you that the Bible's kind of silent on that, and I don't have an answer to that. So does Poochie go to heaven? I don't my little doggy go to heaven? Does, does my cat go to heaven? No. No, it doesn't. But, but, <laughs> everything, it, everything has a point of beginning except for God. So when you, when you go to Christmas and you go to Bethlehem and you go to the nativity scene, don't get in your mind that this is the beginning of Christ. He's always existed. He's, he's existed. There's never a time when Jesus did not exist. In, in John, the, the Gospel of John, first chapter says, in the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was, was Christ. When the beginning happened, when the, when the creation of the world happened, Christ was. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's everlasting. So I think about that, and, and he's God. The infant is infinite. And then I, I, I sit back on there and I go, I don't know what, what, what this tells me is, He's big. He's big. He's, he's bigger than time. He's bigger than space. He's bigger than uh, anything you can imagine. Does, does he know everything? Well, he's omniscient. He's a wonderful counselor. Is he, is he strong? Well, he's omnipotent. He's the mighty God. And he's everlasting. He's, he's bigger than, than time or space. It's, it's hard to get our minds completely on this, that this little baby is not just this little baby, but this baby is bigger than, than any time or space we can get. Now, Isaiah is a great book, and there's a lot of stuff I don't understand in it, but there's one chapter, the, the 40th chapter, that I love, and I want to just call your attention to it. In fact, it's in like my top five of Old Testament chapters. If I had to list them, I have more than five in my top five, but this would be in my top five. The 40th chapter, it's a time when Israel is, is being pressed from all sides. There's Syria coming down from the north. There's Egypt moving up from the south. And from the east is the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians. And they're all about to just attack the nation of Israel. They're, gonna, they're afraid they're going to be wiped out. Their future is going to be done. You talk about the gloomy darkness that they're in. This is part of it. And, and God reveals himself to the prophet Isaiah throughout this book, but especially in the 40th chapter, and, and words that are so poetic but so meaningful to me. And I want to, just, I want to give you a little taste of that this morning. And then, and then just, to, just to hopefully that it, that it gives you a little bit of spring in your step today to recognize what everlasting God, everlasting Father is all about. So after Isaiah is trying to encourage his people saying, you think it's bad, just think about how big an eternal God is. Verse 12, he, he says this. 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? This is the words of the words of the Lord revealed to Isaiah. So basically God is saying, hey, I, I can measure the waters in the hollow of my hand. Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who has who is so big that can take all the water and put it in his hand. Now, this is my hand. It's, it's, it's a good-sized hand. Here's about how much water I can hold in the hollow. Uh, Matt, I don't know what to do with this now, but can, can you come take this? I'll bring it home and shampoo with it later on, but um, with his hair and I, that's, that's about how much water I can hold in the hollow of my hand. Isaiah says, God can hold all the waters of the universe. Some versions say, all the oceans in the hollow of his hand. Now our globe is like 25,000 miles in circumference. Some of you with OCD, it's 24,901 miles. Okay, you don't have to come up to me afterwards. And three quarters of that globe is covered with water. It's amazing that three quarters doesn't consume the one quarter of land. But God in his infinite power and wisdom hung up a thing called the moon that the few days ago was pretty big. Did you see that, that big moon? That moon that, that has a gravitational pull that along with the, the, the rotation of the earth causes the tides to come in and out and holds the water back. And every, now and again, there'll be a big hurricane somewhere in the, in the Atlantic or whatever, and, and all of a sudden there's this water that's consuming land, and, and, it, and, it, and it's, so, it's so different than normal, the reliable tides and everything, that, that news carries it and covers it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can go on cable news and watch the reporters out in their, you know, their reindeer standing in the wind reporting on that the, here come the oceans. But without that, we'd be covered in water. And God says, all that water I hold in the, in the palm of my hand. The Arctic Ocean, the Irish Sea, the English Channel, the Atlantic Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, the Aegean Sea, the Adriatic Sea, the Indian Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, the Nile River, the Amazon River, the Columbia River, the Salt River, <laughs> your swimming pool, all the water. That, that's, how, that's how big God is when we talk about his, his eternal value. I, I read that. And I, and I hear Isaiah and Israel gathering around that and saying, hey, no matter how bad it gets, God's got us. Remember that little spiritual? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got Isaiah. He's got Israel. I love the verse that says he's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got you. He's got you in his hands. He has McDowell Mountain Church in his hands. So no matter what you go through this Christmas, this baby that we're talking about has you in his hands. Then he doesn't stop there. He says, who is, with the breadth of his hand, marked off the heavens? Some versions say, with a span, with a span, he marks off the heavens. A span is... The, the distance between the little finger and the thumb of, a, of an average man in, in those days. Um, 
I, I read it was like about nine inches. So I measured mine out, and it, it is. It's about nine inches from tip of the thumb to, to your finger. Um, President-elect Donald Trump is not quite so gifted, but um, don't, don't, don't repeat that next service. <laughs> I, I could take my hand. I, I could measure this table using, using that. I, I go, you know, there's, there's nine, there's 18. I just don't have time to really get, I, I, it's probably about 20, 22, 23 inches from there. I, I, don't, I don't need a ruler or tape measure. That's close enough for, for me on that. I, could, I can measure that table with the span of my hand. Now, if you want to know how far it is, from here to San Diego, I'm not going out on the highway and measure that off. But here's what God says. The universe, the heavens, I, I tell you, I, I measure it with a span of my hand. Now, the, the only way we know it with our humanity to measure space is with this, the, the uh, light years. You know, 100, 156,000 Miles per second is a, and, and if you take the edge of the Milky Way, which there's, you know, what, millions, thousands at least, galaxies, you take this little itty bitty, at least average size galaxy called the Milky Way, and you measure it from one tip of it to the other, at light speed, it would take 100 million years to get from one end to the other. And God says, I measure that my hand. That's how big he is. That's how, that's how much grace he has. That's how much love and compassion he has for you. Romans, the fifth chapter says, where, where sin abounds, grace so much more abounds. This year, it doesn't matter how dark your sin is. It doesn't matter how big your sin is. It doesn't matter how recent your sin is. God's bigger than that. His compassion, his grace, his forgiveness is bigger than any sin you can bring to the table. He's everlasting. He's an everlasting father. You go going through that, he talks about measuring the, the dust. Take all the mountains and the deserts. Take the Sonoran Desert, the Sahara Desert. Take the Mojave Desert. Take the deserts of China. Take, take the deserts of Spain, Australia. Take all the deserts, all the dust you can get. Take the dust under your bed. Throw it in there. Which, by the way, they say is about 90% skin cells anyway. So you're involved in that whole thing. He, take the, he says, I can measure it. In, in this version, it says by a basket. In some versions, it says just, he's just a measure, like a measuring spoon or a measuring cup. Remember when we used to bake or some of you used to bake? Just that little cup. That's how he measures. That's how big he is. This everlasting God is huge. He's so big. He's beyond space. He's beyond time. He's beyond us. And the infant we're worshiping, the infant we're talking about, is, is infinite. Everything you know. In fact, that 40th chapter closes down with some great words. Over in verse 28 of Isaiah 40. Actually, verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, 
My cause is disregarded by my God. They're in so much trouble. God, do you even know I'm here? Do you even know what I'm going through? God, why have you disregarded me? You're active everywhere else. How come you're not active with us? How come you don't know what I'm going through? How come you don't know and understand what I'm doing? How come you don't do anything about it? Verse 28 says this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Don't you know that? He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Later on it says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I hope, I hope this morning you can just catch a glimpse of the everlasting baby that will, that will just give you a spring in your step today, that your soul will be lifted up just enough to know. Haven't you heard this? Haven't you heard it in your heart? No matter what the stress and the pressure is in your life, this baby is everlasting. This infant, this child is infinite. Then he just uses the words, some of the best words in all the Bible, words that God was not usually associated with until Jesus came, Father, everlasting Father. He's, he's like, he's revealing the, the face of the Father. It's, it's this compassion. Psalm 103, David says, he's, God's slow to anger, he, he's abounding in love. Like a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him, who revere him, who worship him, who surrender to him. Father. I mean, you know the story as well as I do that Jesus tells in the 15th chapter of Luke of the, of the, the son who had had enough, asked for it all, got the inheritance, took off to the far country, running his own, doing his own thing, Spending it all on, in the exact wrong ways until was, he was completely broke. And he started begging and searching and seeking, and he found a job feeding pigs. And the food of the pigs, the husks of the pigs, started to look good to him. And the Bible says that it was at that point he woke up, came to himself, came to his senses. And he said, you know, it's better. I remember father. Father, I'd rather, I'd rather be a servant to dad than this. And everybody that, that had ever been before Jesus who were God-fearers and knew God would say, well, yeah, of course. Get up and go back and be a servant. Be a servant to this judge, this holy God. If he'll, if he'll even allow you to be a servant, you're lucky if you, if you work your way into it. Yeah, you can be a servant. If you prove yourself, yeah, you can be a servant. And he was just going, yeah, I'll be a servant. I'll take that any day. If you haven't memorized this verse, here's what I love. Verse 20 of Luke 15. But while he was still a long ways away, while he was still far off, 
the father saw him. His heart filled with compassion for him. And his father got up and ran to him. Embraced him, hugged him, kissed him. Wouldn't let go of him. Servant nothing. You're my son. I've got a ring, credit card with your name on it back home. I've got a barbecue already in process. I brought a, a new band in, live music. I've got a new robe to get you out of that stinky, smelly one you got. I've got a whole new identity. You're not servant. You're not lost. You're son because I'm father to you. I'm father. I don't know if you've ever heard or read, uh, there's a message in a book by a guy named Brennan Manning, who uh, used to be very popular on the speaking circuit, former priest, long story with him, but if you've ever had a chance, or will get the chance, I think you'd probably go on YouTube and find it, his message on Abba Father, Abba Father. I had a chance to hear him in person, and I don't know that I've ever been moved by a message like that in my life, when he talks about God as daddy, father, Abba, father. He refers to this passage of scripture, he refers to that verse of scripture, and he talks about some New Testament scholar that was meaningful in his life that I have no idea who he is. But, but what, he, what he said about this in a translation sticks with me on a daily basis. He said he translated it basic, basically like this. But when he but when, when he um, started to come back, while he was a long way off, the father saw him, had compassion, ran to him, embraced him, and couldn't stop kissing him. Just couldn't stop kissing him. I love that. Speaks to the lostness that that son was. Speaks to the desperation the father felt. Speaks to the compassion and love of the father. This last week, we heard some of the most tragic news that, that I, I still can't digest it. You've all heard it. The warehouse in Oakland that burned down. I mean, we all look at that and go, oh, man, isn't that horrible? We have family in a church that we pastored up in Washington who not only heard that news, but heard this. Your son is in the warehouse. Son was a musician. He's in the warehouse. This is a family who, who uh, successful businessman who's, who now in retirement goes off into mission field on his own dime. He's been in the in Asia, he, he's been in South America, he's, he's been just recently in Africa and Tanzania, him and his wife. Serve the Lord, love the Lord. They got in their home in, in, in Washington and they got in a car and they headed to Oakland, not knowing exactly the condition they would find their son, if at all. And you know, as the, as the days went on and the, the survivors were few, if not any, and the, 
the reclamation crews were going in and this structure and pulling out charred remains and identifying and they identified a few and then they identified a dozen or so and it was going on and, and still their son, no word of him and no identification to the point last week where they said, there's only a few left, there's only like three that we haven't identified, your son being one of them. And it'll take a few more days. Take a few more days to try to find enough DNA to identify. Can you imagine? I mean, you talk about the worst nightmare of a parent. Can you imagine? In the afternoon, they came with good news. Shows you how tragic this was. Here's the good news. We found a fingerprint with enough DNA to identify your son. And they were pleased that at least they had that finality that he was identified. I, I, can't, I can't imagine what they're going through. I can't, I can't understand what they're going through. I, can't, I, can't, I don't even have words to say to deal with it. And I know they're being ministered by people all over, not only the nation, but the world, the lives that have been touched by their life. I don't know what's... But here's what I do know. If, if for some reason this afternoon they were walking in the mall and off in the distance... They saw their son walking toward them. It doesn't matter who who was in their way. It doesn't matter where they were. It doesn't matter the barriers they'd have to overcome. It doesn't matter the noise that they would make. I tell you, this couple, this, this man and this wife, this mom and this dad would run at full speed to their son and they would grab him and they would hug him and they would, they would never stop kissing him. They would just not. Stop kissing him. Why? Same words of this father. We thought you were dead, but you're alive. We thought you were lost, but you're found. That's the heart of our everlasting father. That's Christmas. When the Father sees us in our condition, and while we're a long ways off, runs at full speed, hugs us, and just couldn't stop kissing us, just can't stop. In fact, I'd suggest to you today that this baby, this Christ child, is the hug and kisses of the Father. It's the hug and the kisses of the Father. This Christmas, when you open up your doors to the nativity and you you come and you sing the carols and you go through the whole Christmas story, would you let God embrace you again? Would you let God, the Father, kiss you? He will as you invite the sun into your life and in your home. John, the first chapter, says this. We who believe, he's given us the right to be called children of God. If he's the everlasting father and you're the child, what does that do for you? What does that do for you? Well, Merry Christmas. Lord, your words, your prophecy, 
touches the depths of our heart. As we listen this Christmas season to the carols and to the messages, may we recognize that no matter what, what surrounds us, no matter the enemy, no matter the pain, no matter the stress or trials, we have an everlasting Father revealed in the gift of a Son. Thank you, in Jesus' name.